Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, and trust me, there's a lot of it. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we're experts on teens. Yes, that's actually a thing. We've worked as college admission officers, prep school administrators, and have coached and mentored thousands of teens in our lifetimes. When it comes to teens, we've seen it all. Teens can be wild and wonderful all at once, but they can also frustrate the hell out of you. The good news is that we speak teen. So join us every week as we drop knowledge and interview teens and other experts to help you gain valuable insight into your teenager's world. Because parenting is hard AF, but we've got your back. Welcome back to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You with Meredith and Kathy. And super excited to talk about this topic today. Our podcast today is going to focus on some of the things that, you know, well-intentioned, loving parents sometimes don't realize they're doing that can uh, hurt their kids. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We're kind of like feeling like, how do we say this in a nice way? Uh, We don't want to hurt parents' feelings. But I think like in our many years of working with many teenagers and many families, we see some common, Mm. I don't even want to say mistakes, but just common misunderstandings that parents... Behaviors, maybe? Yeah, behaviors. And and it's like, it comes from a good place and we know you love your kids. But I think that, you know... Nobody gives parents a handbook when you have a baby and say, this is actually what's happening for your kid developmentally at this phase in their life. And this is actually how your behavior is being interpreted by them. Right. And these are some of the common complaints. So this stems from common complaints that we see from teenagers and behaviors Mm. that we see that are actually not great for a kid's well-being. Can be a little undermining Mm -hmm. in ways that, you know, sometimes are subtle, actually. Really? Yeah. So we're just saying this like... Take heart. <laughs> we know we know that what we're about to say is, you know, I, I, I think there's not a parent alive who probably hasn't done one of, if not several of the things we're about to say. And I think this is actually, I was thinking about it earlier, like a lot of the stuff we're about to like allude to, I think people do. Yeah. Um, so just as human beings. Just as humans. This is a lot of human behavior that we're that we've all done. So one of the things that comes up most often in my career directly from students is this culture of comparison where they feel compared to other students at their school mm-hmm. or they feel compared to their siblings yes or their Big you time. know their cousins so um, or to their parents or to their parents <laughs> absolutely absolutely and you know there's that old saying that um comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually really kind of true. Yep. And it's interesting because I think by comparison, sometimes we tend to think about when you are comparing your child in such a way that like they're not good as someone else, but it goes the other way too, where you're sort of over praising your child for being better than mm-hmm. um, other students in some capacities. So when when comparison is sort of just the the focal point, Kathy, why do you think that's problematic? Well, I think it's pro- I I think that let's be honest, 
I'm comparing myself enough with other people. Like, I don't need my mom to also do it for me. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm doing yeah. it a lot already. Yeah. And it's it's like so much of what we're trying to teach kids is self-compassion over self-comparison. Like, how do you be more gentle with yourself? How do you accept the things that are hard mm. for you, that are challenging, the difficult feelings that you feel? Like, how do you manage all that stuff, right? And it's hard enough to be able to do that for yourself while – looking at this person sitting next to you in class who's so much more beautiful and so much more talented and so much smarter. And when your parents do it or a loved one, it could mm -hmm. be a sibling, right? Mm -hmm, it could mm -hmm. be an, an older cousin, whoever, an yeah. aunt and uncle, a grandparent, just somebody you respect or even a friend, right? Like who's doing that? It yeah. just makes you feel shitty. I mean, that's yeah. just all there is to it, right? Because you're just like, Okay, so this is this is something I wanted to talk about earlier. Yeah. But I was watching um, Turning Red, the new Pixar oh, movie. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, you saw I it. I wept like a baby last night. I... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So there's one line. Okay, spoiler alert. Fast forward 20 seconds if you don't want to hear this. But there's a moment in the film where the lead character, who's a young Chinese-Canadian girl, mm -hmm. and... Uh, she is with her mom. She's a scene with her mom and her mom is actually like gone back in time and is, is the younger version of herself too. So her mom is oh. like in the scene, right? So she's her little girl self yeah. and then her mom is like a teenager in the scene. Okay. And her mom is weeping. It's, it's complicated. Her mom is crying and she's like trying to confirm her mom and she's like, mom, what's wrong? And her mom is like, I'm never going to be perfect enough for my mother. She's talking about her mother. Mm -hmm. So this character's grandmother. I'm never going to be perfect enough for my grand my mother. And I'm and I'm never going to be perfect enough for anyone. Oh. And I was oh. crying. Oh I was gosh. weeping. I know. Does it make you tear up? It does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why are your hands so cold? I know. Are you okay? Because <laughs> we're outside <laughs> having lunch. <laughs> but yeah, I was like weeping about it oh, because I was teary. yeah because I, I was, was like, gonna watch that but now I think I'm, I'm <laughs> oh no I wept about it because I was like oh my god that's how I feel right like yeah we can all relate to feel. yeah we can all relate to that feeling yeah. and I think that's exactly what self-comparison when you compare people yeah. that's exactly it gets to the heart of that's that. the feeling yep yeah that's yep. the feeling and it's not helped by the fact that we live in a culture of like hyper comparison no and, and individualism instead of sort of collectivism and yes and the know. social media and all the things right like yeah, you, you sort of you, like the opportunities the culture that we exist in right and the opportunities we have to compare ourselves not just to the kid in class but to like the most beautiful people in the world, <laughs> right? Right, who are like photoshopped and oh have an God. entire you know army of people. It's ridiculous. I when I curling I, every quaff. When I first went on TikTok, I was like, "Oh my God!" I was mesmerized. Yeah, and also like disturbed. shocked, disturbed because I was like, "Oh, these poor kids!" Because they're looking at all these beautiful people yeah. Yeah. who are, and it's amazing how many beautiful, talented people there are in this world. Like you might be going on TikToks or on Instagram and you see these like what's really popular right now is like couple Instagrams mm -hmm. where these couples are just like look at our perfect amazing beautiful family and relationship and look how <laughs> like everything is perfect and curated right and yeah. I'm just like that can't be good for people because I find myself being like oh my boyfriend never does that for me <laughs> I don't look like that when I wake up in the morning <laughs> like well it's interesting because I think one of the dangers of look, look, I mean, 
there's always going to be someone in this planet full of billions of people who might be smarter than your child or who might be more athletic than your child Mm -hmm. or who is more fill in the blank. And it's also true that there will be millions of children who are not as smart or Mm -hmm. not as athletic. So I think the other aspect of comparison that gets very, can get kind of dangerous is it's rooted in this flawed belief that one, that's how people get motivated, that that's somehow how motivation works. And two, so we're going to talk about that in a second. (laughs) And two, that there's some perfect standard, you know, that can be attained that is unattainable by anyone else, Mm -hmm. right? And rather than celebrate how wonderful it is to have all kinds of diverse dimensions of beauty and definitions of beauty or different kinds of intelligence that can take shape in all kinds of different ways, we sort of focus narrowly on markers of success or markers of achievement that are, you know, completely like created from culture. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. I'm, mm-hmm. going, I'm wandering a little too, like <laughs> that's grad okay. school right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, also motivation, back to motivation. Uh, most people respond better to positive reinforcement than negative reinforcement. Yeah. And if you find that negative reinforcement works, if you're, if you're listening right now and you're like, wow, it's, I, you know, not for my kid, but like my people at work, you know, the way I motivate them is comparing them to each other. Or like, if you find that comparison works, it's probably working because you are shaming the people. Yeah that you're comparing, right? So shame is a very powerful tool and right. it can, can it can change behavior. But the problem with it is that you might get the behavior that you'd like, but you're doing a lot of damage other yeah. places. And I would also right. argue that that behavior is pretty short-lived. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not like a permanent. It's not a habit you're cultivating. Right. You're, you're creating a, a, a reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I would, I would question that motivation, your motivation to use that type of tool, right? So, mm-hmm. but I see it a lot. I see parents do it a lot. I see, and yeah. I think they're well-intentioned. They're like, oh my God, look at your, this neighbor who got a, whatever, who got into MIT and they did this, this, then the other thing. And you should do that too. Yeah. <sighs> I, I understand the, the pull, the draw of wanting to do something like that, the allure, but Really, it's not, in the long run, it's not good for kids. Well, I also think about like siblings where let's say you have two siblings, one of whom maybe traditionally kind of plays the game of school well, Mm -hmm. is sort of successful in that way. School comes quote unquote more easily to that child, which is a phrase that always, I always want to challenge. And then let's say their sibling, older, younger, doesn't really matter, you know, they are struggling more or they're less motivated to take harder classes. Mm-hmm. And there's a tendency to believe that something might be wrong with that child mm-hmm. instead of what I think ought to be the focus, mm-hmm. which is to recognize that, you know, ch- all humans are different. Children are different. We all come from different contexts. We're our own unique people with our own sets of identities and perspectives and yeah. Um, how might you celebrate the strengths? So maybe, yeah, there's certain strengths that come with being like playing the game of school, but there might be other strengths around balance and wellness and 
self-care that the other student is demonstrating in greater abundance mm-hmm. p- potentially mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's not to say you just like don't throw like you throw out expectations and boundaries and things like that that we've talked about in other episodes but you also don't it's okay for your kid not to your kids not to be the same absolutely you know and, and probably a really great thing actually yeah and academic success isn't isn't life success They're not it the isn't it's not the same and I know it's easy to just use that. I've learned that the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) You have personal experience with that? Yes. Yeah, me too. In the opposite direction, right? Like feeling like a failure Mm. because I wasn't doing well at school. Right. Right. And doing well, by the way, is like, you know, you don't have anything below like a B plus. Right. Right. Yeah, we'll do another episode on that. (laughs) Other things. Other Other things. Other common behaviors. Well-intentioned, but... Maybe misplaced behaviors we sometimes see from parents. Yes. Um, another one is which we've talked about actually in a lot of episodes. We don't have to. We don't have to talk about this excessively, but the impulse to fix when mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. goes wrong. I think we see that all mm-hmm. the time. And we were talking to um, the our business manager Victoria, who's probably listening to this episode right now because she's Hi, helping, Victoria. Is helping us edit it. We love you. But she was talking to me the other day because we did an episode about like letting your kids fail. And she was like, I did not drop off my daughter's swim stuff for her today when she forgot it. And I was like, good for you. You know, like. Yes. Yeah. That was so simple. But she was like, yeah, you forgot today. Oh, well, no swim oh, for wow. you today. Yeah, it's going to be okay. Your coach might be mad at you. Mm-hmm. Your coach is going to be you, mad at you. You may not be able to swim in the next swim meet because you didn't come prepared to practice. Yep. Good lesson to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, and I was like, good for you. You know, it's these little things. Her daughter's still in middle school, but, you know. Those little things help. They, yes, they absolutely help. Little things make big impact. Yeah, exactly. And so doing those little things is going gonna, is gonna to help your kid. So I won't belabor the point, but. Yeah. Anyways. The other one that comes up and it's often very innocent, I think in its origin, it's just sort of like, you know, the 10 minutes before a PA meeting starts, you're sitting next to your friends or your fellow parents and you're just, you know, you're talking. What's a PA at, meeting? A parent association meeting. Oh, okay. Thank you for clarifying. Uh, PTA, <laughs> you know, what is a parent school meeting yeah. where parents have clustered together. Um <laughs> You know, you're talking about the, the common denominator you all have, which is your own child or your children in a particular grade or with like a particular teacher or whatever. And it's, I think I notice a lot of gossip that can happen sometimes mm-hmm. in those spaces. Yeah. And it starts off, I think, as just sort of in the meme of making conversation, but it can not end up that way. Yeah, I think where it becomes... Yeah, why it, shouldn't we gossip about kids? I mean, I think in our attempt to connect with another person, mm-hmm. right? Like like you said, finding the common denominator, yeah. we can very easily fall into gossiping, right? So right. like talking about stuff that isn't any of your business. Yeah. <laughs> Is that too harsh? I don't know. It's like Well, <laughs> I mean, here's what I would say. Is if you if one of your if your child came home and you noticed that they were gossiping a bunch about other kids in a way that maybe wasn't very flattering or supportive, you would probably, that would probably rub you the wrong way as a parent. And so it's sort of remembering that in an adult context and remembering right. that your children 
they do deserve privacy. You know, totally. they do deserve to have, now obviously you're their, their parent. So I think you have more right to know stuff than, than most, but I'm not sure that means like their best friend's parent needs to know X or Y. Absolutely. And I know I think part of the 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 gossiping isn't just like talking about other people's kids, but you know, talking about your own kid, like Meredith's saying, or like not sharing their like deepest, darkest, most intimate mm-hmm. moments with other parents. Mm-hmm. But more so, even if you're just like celebrating something really positive for them, because college, yeah, college, let's talk about the gossip around the college <laughs> process. Because college acceptances are coming out right now. Yeah, and you know, I just wrote a blog post about this, but you know you know, fighting the urge to just post it on your social media, like thinking, being more thoughtful about how you want to share good news. Right. And so if that means if it's not the college process, but it's like, oh, my son got accepted to this really prestigious internship. Like, how do you talk about that? How do you frame that in a way? Because then what happens is you tell one person, then the next person, it becomes telephone. Yeah. Right. And then the next person's like, oh, so did you hear so-and-so? I heard that if you wanted to get in Berkeley, you have to have this internship. Like, oh, your kid hasn't done that. Well, we're applying next year. Like, you know, like it, notice your intentions. Like, are you trying to make yourself feel better? Or are you yeah. trying to make somebody feel worse? <laughs> like what is, what is happening or in this moment? Also, <laughs> you are just somewhere in the stream of that horrible game of telephone and you're not sure it have some, um, ask yourself, is this data reliable or valid? And how do I know that? Mm-hmm. So when you hear, and I think the college process, this I, I, in particular, boy, in yeah. particular yeah. that I, I can't tell you how many times the misinformation is I terrible. Would, I would have someone come into my office and say, you know, I heard that this year's a horrible year for yeah, yeah. kids at X Yeah, schools. yeah, yeah. Totally. And I'm like, really? How do you know? I, meanwhile, I have like, I'm the one who actually sees the acceptances. Like I'm the one who actually has the data and I know that what they're telling me is categorically false. Right. So I'm, I'm always would push back and say, well, it's been a great year. Like, how do you, where is that information coming from? And right. it usually would be, they heard it from someone who heard it from someone whose own kid didn't get into the one school. Yeah, yeah, And then, you know, you take the part and confuse it for the whole. Well, or or the school next door had a way better year at X. Right, which again, how do you know that? Well, it's so funny. So we did have a school next door that this happened to all the time. And the school next door would call us and be like, you know what we're hearing? The school next door. (laughs) Yeah, that you guys are having a way better year at the school than we are. And I was like, well, that's funny because what I heard is that you guys are having a way better year than we are at this school, right? Well, and I mean... (laughs) Like, again, in all our episodes, we talk about value so much. Is gossip a value that you that we want to engender? And is it productive? Is it helpful? Right? Is, is it, it healthy? Does it make us, does it serve our purposes and goals? Yeah, does or it make does it you not? feel good? Does it make, right. like, what is, what is happening? It's a really, really important because I see even my own mother falls into it. Sorry, mom. But, like, she'll, <laughs> my mom, in, you know, like, I am, I am almost 50. And my mom still likes to gossip about her, her kids, her parent, her parents, her friends, kids. kids. Yeah. Like, oh, so-and-so's. I'm like, it's mom. Hilarious. <laughs> That's very funny. Mom? So-and-so signed up for ARP faster than you. Is that something you should be doing? Oh, my God. But, you know, it's still happening, right? (laughs) So I think the impulse to do it is very strong. I get it. It's like the thing that you all have in common. And, you know, you, you love your kids and you want to talk about us. But also, 
you know, be be cognizant of the ways that it's harmful to the culture. Well, gossip is a peer yeah. pressure thing. It's a peer pressure response often. So I I wonder how, you know, you're in that say more. Yeah. So I think I think about it with with children, right? They often are in groups at lunch and someone's starting to talk about someone else. And it's 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 just a maladaptive way to bond. Yeah. It yeah. Does, it exactly. Can, it can bring people right. closer, right? right it's just right. not a great positive, wholesome way to yeah. do it. Yeah. And I, so I think sometimes, you know, if you're, if we all want to fit in regardless of our age. So sometimes mm-hmm. I think if you find yourself in a parent group or an adult group where this is happening, the instinct to want to fit in makes, makes a lot of sense, you know, but I think how might you advise a parent who maybe has no choice, you know, they have to, they're involved in the school in some way, or they, you know, this always comes up at their book club or at their office or whatever. How would you, what kind of advice would you give them to sort of not engage yeah. or maybe even interrupt the gossip? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I notice it even with my own friend groups, right? Like some of my girlfriends, yeah. you know, like there's too much gossiping that mm. happens in some of our conversations. So I try not to, I try to change the subject, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? The non, the like uh, non-direct way. Yeah. The indirect way. You try that The indirect first, way. Yeah. You try that first, right? Like, let's change the subject. How, what, hey, how was that uh, play you saw last week? Was it great? Right. You know, like, oh, didn't you guys just go on vacation? Tell me about it, right? So try to change the subject. I think the more direct way is just to be like, this conversation isn't that fun. Like, yeah. can we talk about something else? a little uncomfortable or maybe yeah. we should not. Yeah, maybe the, maybe we shouldn't. It, it, this feels really negative. Yeah. Like, yeah. are we being too negative, guys? Like, let's, yeah. let's try to be, let's focus on something Yeah, else. it just has, it doesn't have to be big and dramatic. It can just be real quick. Yeah. Like, just noticing how you're feeling. Because I think that's important for me. Like, Mm. If I'm in a conversation, like, how am I feeling? Is it making me feel uncomfortable? Am I feeling kind of yucky about it because it feels too negative, right? Like, I'm very conscious of that and conscious of when I say something that I feel about somebody that I'm just like, oh, you know what? Like, I'm going to do that less. That didn't feel good, right? For those folks who are listening, and I don't know if you know about the four agreements, but one of the, the, if you look up the four, Google the four agreements, and one of the agreements is be impeccable with your word. And mm-hmm. it's it's about integrity, right? Sort of the integrity mm-hmm. of what we say and how hopefully what we say matches our values. Mm-hmm. And we're people and we'll mess up and we'll say things and we'll yep. get caught up in yep. stuff. And like, that's okay too. Yeah. It's going to happen. So yeah. we might as well learn to work with it. Yeah. And, you know, you're modeling for your kids. We'll say that a bazillion times on this podcast, but you're, mm. you are modeling for your kids, right? So... Trust me when I say that they know that you're gossiping, even if you think you're doing it away from them. 100%. They totally <laughs> They'll know. know. They know. They totally know. They I mean, know I would have a hilarious conversations with kids. They'd come in on the couch and, like, and they'd be like, well, you know, all those junior parents went on a hike this weekend. And, <laughs> yeah, they and I totally got it when know. They, I was like, yeah. are you okay? They're like, oh, all the junior parents went on a hike. No, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> totally. Totally, totally. Right. And it's just, you know, I just think for the sake of the culture around success and yeah. the stress and the, all the stuff that we're doing, like this, this is like one thing that we can do that is within our control, right? We can't control how colleges accept kids to college. We can't control, like, there's lots of things we can't control, but we can't control our own behavior and how we contribute to the culture of, right, that's dysfunctional. Yeah. Another area that I think requires a little bit of, you know, tending sometimes and 
we had originally wrote on our little whiteboard, stop minimizing, but I'm actually going to add to that. I think sometimes we can minimize what children are bringing to our attention in ways that do not serve them or the issue at hand. And I think the opposite is also true where we mm-hmm. can overemphasize, we can maximize what they're bringing to us. And oh boy, little mm-hmm. Lyle, that, that took really run us. You all need to watch Turning Red because it really addresses all of these issues. Oh, no. Okay. You have to watch it. It's like, it, it totally touches on so much of the topics. Am I ready to cry later today? today? <laughs> you know, I felt it was cathartic for me. Okay. So I think it's okay. good. Well, I think I you mean, should I do like it. I like a good cry. <laughs> it's really, really good. But yes, absolutely. Right. It's like finding the 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 Goldilocks, like what is the right. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. You know, again, parents so hard. And I actually want to harken back to the episode we did with Christina around mental health, red flags, warning signs to emphasize two points. You know, one of the things that was brought up in that episode is sometimes your 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 students, um, your children are maybe the example in that episode was about like maybe self-harm behavior that can be written off as attention seeking and why you should not minimize something like that and how if you're not sure this this balance point between minimization and maximization <laughs> it feels weird to say it the other way um overemphasis yeah. yeah uh i know but the parallel structure anyway yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> my grammar is hurting my brain um is to one of the points she made over and over again in that episode that I thought was so important is ask people, ask trusted sources for input. You know, Mm -hmm. so for example, if your kid comes home and says, my chem teacher hates me. Oh, 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 really? really? Why? They were so rude to me today. I asked them for help. And this is the third time they've done blah, 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 blah. And Becky got the same mistakes on her test, but I have a lower grade. Yeah. All that. Yeah. That is a moment of more curiosity Mm -hmm. and not to just, I do tell parents, don't believe everything your child tells you. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it's true because I say the same thing, right? Like there are things that your teenager tells you that really need to be taken with a grain of salt. Like my teacher hates me, for example. Right. right? Or met with curiosity, like recognize (laughs) that you are on the receiving end of information that requires further questioning. Yeah. It's an opportunity to ask questions to determine maybe there is in fact a real legitimate conflict between your child and their teacher that does need to be addressed. Yep. Or maybe your child is just cranky and grumpy that they didn't actually study enough for that test, got a poor grade, and now they're displacing responsibility on their teacher who supposedly hates them because they didn't answer an email within like three seconds of them sending it, <laughs> right? It could be one of those things or something in the middle. And I think when we're when we when we're working with teens and we do get curious and start asking them to clarify, like we do, we're like, oh, really? Your chemistry teacher hates you. Is that right? Okay. What right. happened? And then, you know, they explain to us all the things. Well, you know, I was falling asleep in class. I'm like, oh. Oh, oh interesting. interesting information. Oh, and then oh, what happened? Oh, they told me to wake up. And then... <laughs> yeah. They oh. asked me to wake up and then I had to talk to them after class about falling asleep. I'm like, oh, and what makes but you think they But don't they understand how tired I am? <laughs> <laughs> and because your chemistry teacher hates you because they asked you to wake up because you fell asleep in, in class? class? While they were teaching? <laughs> you know, so anyways, the point is, you know, being curious about that, you know, approaching. Yeah your child, whatever they're bringing to you with curiosity is a good way to start the conversation at least. And not, and not to dismiss it because that also establishes trust, trust with your child. If, you know, if every time your kid comes to you with a concern Mm -hmm. and 
you're sort of adopting a brush it off, move on mm-hmm. quickly, suck it up, suck it up kind of mm-hmm. attitude, or that's sort of the advice. That's life, you know, get used to it. Yep. That can backfire, right? Yeah. It's going to make it much more likely that your kid's not going to come to you again. There's that for sure. Right. I don't actually know that problems have been solved. No problems have been solved. Your kid doesn't feel heard. Yeah. Right. And like I was talking to a, a mom recently and I said, you know, when your teen comes to you, one of the, we'll do an episode on active listening. But one of the things mm-hmm. that I said was, I was like, you know, don't always listen for the words, but listen for the feelings that are coming. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, like what are they bringing to you? That's hard though, Kathy. It is. It's true. It's hard. We do it. So much. it's like, I forget that's because hard. we've talked to so many teenagers in our lives. We've become, we have more practice. Yeah. But it's like, if you see that they're coming to you and they're, they are like really frustrated, you're like, well, you seem really frustrated. So tell me about that. Why do you feel so frustrated mm-hmm. right now? Mm-hmm. Right. That's oftentimes a good place to take the conversation versus like, t- like let's be a detective, right? Like that's not curiosity either. Like, right, 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 right. We're not like trying to unravel a mystery. No, you're trying yeah. to get them to critically self-reflect and they might need some adult brain power to help aid that process. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing sort of our, another behavior that we talk about a lot that you talked about earlier around the fixing and the, mm-hmm. the stepping in to make it all better. Oh yes. The fixing, the smoothing over, the rescuing, the rescuing. Yeah. It's, it takes away your child's sense of agency, like their own sense of power. Well, and it can, it can send this implicit, almost always very unintentional message to them that you don't believe in them. You don't trust them. You don't trust them. You don't trust that they'll be able to Mm -hmm. figure it out. And so they must require. Well, and you might be listening right now and thinking, well, you're right. I don't trust my kid to figure it out. Right. Like I actually don't trust that they'll figure it out. Right. So how do we learn how to figure things out in life, Kathy? How do we do that? How do we go from a place of not knowing how to figure something out to a place of like, okay, I can, I can get myself out of this paper bag. Uh, Well, you know, it requires trying and oftentimes failing multiple times. Yeah. Practice. Practice. Trying. Right. And I, I tell my kids this too. I go, life will keep teaching you the same lessons over and over and over again. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't figure it out the first time, it'll come back. That same lesson will show up in some different form, right? Like you'll get an opportunity to try this thing out again. Yeah. So you got to give your kids those opportunities right? To practice. You got to try. You got to, you got to not do it exactly right the first time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or the second. And then, then you learn something from that, right? And then the next time you're like, okay, so that email wasn't received particularly well. <laughs> well, I, and I think that's where parents can be so useful and where you possess a skill set that is so nascent in, in adolescence, which is the, the sort of reflective guided questioning. Okay. Well, let's try this strategy. You know, as a parent, that strategy is going to, that's, that's, that's a bad, you know it, right. And you're just waiting for that to backfire and it backfires. You're, you're, you are right. It backfired. So in that moment, rather than, and I told you so moment, the sort of, okay, well, what did we learn about that situation? What do you think were the original reasons for trying that strategy? Okay. What can we take away from this response? How do we make adjustments? How do we continue to problem solve flexibly. Yeah. And teens are bad at doing that for themselves. So I think that's a, that is a really important role that parents can play. Yeah. And 
some parents are like, you know what I, I hear parents say to us sometimes? They're like, but can you teach me how to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I have so many friends who are like, wait, teen coaching? I'm adult coaching. Yeah. So, you know, maybe we're making a lot of assumptions about your capacity as a parent. But, you know. No, we believe. <laughs> well, we also believe it's not about, right? It's, it's progress, not perfection. Right, right. It's right. not about you executing this right all of the time either. Right. Um, and admitting that to your kids is okay too, you know, like you can also, like, I think parents also feel that they have to be perfect for their kids or they have to have all the answers. Yeah. And it's also okay as a parent to be like, huh, I don't know. Let's try to figure this out together. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't actually sure. know. Like, let's, who can we ask? Uh, that's actually really great to model because there's so many yeah. problems in life that require collaboration or where collaboration would help us reach a decision sooner. That's better. That's faster, less painful. Yep. Yeah, so hopefully this episode helped just frame some behaviors that all well-intentioned, trying really hard parents do from time to time, and humans do from time to time. Yeah, I think it's just good. It's a good reminder for us as human beings, even if you're not a parent, right? Like, just as a human, Mm -hmm. in partnership, in relationship with other humans, these are all things that we tend to do that can undermine relationships, right? And so, And undermine self-esteem and self-concept. Mm-hmm. And it's not only, it's it's also not great for us, the pe- the person who's doing it. I was like, uh, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if you are like. Yeah, that's not great for our. Our own. Our own sense of self. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm trying. Thank you, Meredith. You're welcome. That's what what's I'm trying the, to say. What's the movie? Turning Red. Turning Pixar. Red. Pixar, if you would like to sponsor our podcast, sure. you are welcome to at any point in time because. They do. They do some really kind of like inside out. I used to use all the time. Yeah, exactly. Because they do do some good stuff, right? They they uh-huh. really touch on. I uh-huh. feel like grief. Oh my god. Yeah, emotions, feelings, parenting, like this whole this whole turning red. I mean, it really was extremely well done. Hmm. No, and no. so cute. What I'm doing after we finish recording our podcast. You can you go watch it? Yeah. Probably, I actually, I'll probably call you. I was actually following. hoping you would spend the night tonight and watch it with me, but I was like, she's not going to spend the night with me. That's fine. I'll watch it myself. <laughs> That's fine. I had to watch it by myself and I cried. It's okay. It's any movie that has themes around parent child relationships and our cultural, like have any sort of like cultural reference yeah. to Asian culture. Cultural affinity for you. Yeah. <laughs> It's You're going out. to. You're done. It, it <laughs> is going to make me weep. Like I just watched. I mean, I didn't just watch, but when Shang Chi came out, you mm-hmm. know that Marvel. Yeah, it's like yeah, a superhero yeah. movie. Yeah. I wept like a baby. Representation matters, <laughs> Kathy. That's why. <laughs> Cried, wept. I was so like, yeah, wow. When Coco came out. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I feel so seen. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I'm telling you. So they're doing. It. I love it. I love it. So good job, Pixar. Shout out to you. But anyways, thank you all for listening. <laughs> we hope that we, you know, we tried to approach this with, you know, empathy and uh, love. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hang in there, everybody. Doing good. <laughs> we'll help you. Don't worry. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You. If you like what you're hearing and you have friends with teenagers, please share it with one of them. You can check out this episode and others on our website, wespeakteen.com. And we want to know what you want to know. So if you have questions or hot topics that you want us to cover, email us at hello at wespeakteen.com.